ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy And I draft a lot, ayy And I draft a lot, ayy I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy And I draft a lot, ayy And I draft a lot, ayy And I I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot I ain't really got a lot of thoughts I just pack them in a box So I popped up on this pod Now I'm outside of the box When I pop up on the clock Last thing I think is talk See, I'm winning it now Loving it three and a thou They peeping my style Peeping it now Steadily growing my Dow Jones Oh no These kitties be thinking they crowd Oh no, no Immediately throwing the towel See, when it's different, it's different Go position by position Ain't no issue commission As a commission, I just listen They envision my vision And my division of Stealing, cause I be willing to deal if I meet a trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. I've already gone through all my drink. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 49 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. I am your host, Rocky Petrella, at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter, with my co-host, as always, Scott Sidlow, at Scott underscore Sidlow. Scott, how you doing tonight? Man, I feel like every time we do this together, we get some crazy, amazing guest, and they just <laughs> keep getting better and better and better. And yes, we have another very good one tonight. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll downplay how good of a guest he is. But um, we have Peter Howdy, uh, Peter Howdy, Peter Howard, Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. Peter, how you doing? No problem. Uh, call me any one of those three names. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the best guest ever. Uh, okay, <laughs> I appreciate that. Most no. people are way too humble when they come on here, so I yeah. appreciate that. No, none of that, please. No, um, no idea. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll get right into the, <laughs> we'll get right into the show. Before we get into the meat of what we're going to talk about here, I just had a brief. Uh, you know, we've done previously. We used to have a regular commission segment. We still bring up those kind of topics from time to time, and it's something that came up this past week uh, since the last time I was on uh, Junkies anyway, which was. The 17-game the schedule and the week 14 buys uh, that four teams are going to have and uh, about how we're supposed to handle that now in fantasy, especially as commissioners um, and, you know, normally playoffs. A lot of leagues, and this is what I was going to do as well, um, we're going to just stay the course this first season and, and just run playoffs weeks 14 to 16 like usual. But those week 14 buys kind of threw a wrench into things. And I've heard some people even say about keeping it the same still. Uh, Scott, what are, you, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we've uh, most of what we're doing now is just making the shift and just moving everything back. Uh, so we're adding essentially one more week to the regular season and it'll be, uh, you know, 14 weeks start playoffs week 15 uh yeah 15 16 17 right so then you're still leaving that last week out so yep with the week 14 by that's really the only option we have you can't do playoffs with bye weeks that just doesn't doesn't and that and that's where i'm at and the argument i've I've actually heard this from my my (laughs) other co-host at trade addicts at russ about the argument the, on the other side is that, you know, you can plan for it. Um, there's still, you know, it's better to know ahead of time instead of maybe in week 17 having to deal with somebody benching their guys in the title game. 
uh, and that it could promote activity is another argument I've heard where you're, you'll be trading for guys for, for week 14. I, I don't agree with any of that. I, I just think you're hurting teams too much who know, you know, that are going to have those four teams on by. I uh, think that argument could be stronger if, if they didn't change everything last year, if you had, um, if you still had two by two teams getting the bye week and you didn't have essentially that seventh team making the playoffs. Um, I agree with those extra games. You think about some of those Patriot years, they'd be probably having three weeks at the end of the season where they're resting, you know? Um, but now with only the top team getting a buy and with having 17 team or seven teams fighting to get in, I think you're going all the way down to the wire. So I, I don't see that as an issue. You're still leaving out week 18, which is the last week. So if there is something where there's a rest or there's a, scenario where it's not going to make a difference i mean it is what it is and you know what that's just part of football just like everything else so you know my my whole thing is is you deal with it and uh you just kind of you work with what we have now we don't know going forward there's been a lot of talk about doing two bye weeks for teams because Mm -hmm. of the extra games and the extra um the toll it takes on them physically so uh, you know, if we get into the double bye week situation, we may need to adjust things. But right now, we just got to take it as we get it. And uh, to me, it it just makes too much sense. Just to you go fourteen games and fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. There you go. And Peter, I don't know if you you uh, commission any leagues, but uh, as at least as a, a dynasty GM, how do you, how do you feel? You think it should be pushed back to fourteen game regular season by fifteen to seventeen playoffs? Huh? I don't understand <laughs> most of those words. Um, yeah, it sounds like just we we like to tilt over stuff, but it is an extra week, so everything gets moved back a week. That's that's probably the simplest. I mean, if you want to talk about getting crazy or why we have playoffs or why every, best ball should really be what we do, but that's not. I'm not saying I prefer best ball at all, but it's like if you want, to, I always love those conversations. Like, I mean, that's not that's not what the NFL is. It's like, neither is what we're doing. <laughs> we're not actually yeah. making roster decisions. We can't choose right. to bench a player. Yeah. I, like, I don't even care let's about not in, Let's not Maybe. look at this too hard. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll realize we're not actually involved in the process. <laughs> we don't get upsetting. <laughs> yeah. You just move it back a week. Um, I, I'm more interested to know. It's one of those things that change happens and, uh, you need to see it play out a few different times. Sometimes that's referred to as sample size to really get an idea of what it is. Like are players just going to wrestle those last three weeks? Are we going to see more roster management decisions in season, perhaps for good teams? Like uh, you sit Christian McCaffrey a little bit more. They drafted a few running backs and undrafted one as well. And they look like they want to spell him a little bit more anyway. And so could that affect things? We we won't even know at the end of the season. So we'll have seen it once. But I think that's what's where my mind's on it more. What's what what causes it? Is it going to change um, to the actual NFL? As for our playoffs, yeah, they are what they are. And if you want to look at our playoff system too closely, you're going to start having to, to admit it doesn't make sense anyway. It's all made up. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> so and, like, and, I, and I don't even worry that much about me. It's just it's more happening than uh, head to head. Like smart commissioners come up with good stuff like all the time. Like Scott Fish and I think John Bosch and Russ Fisher, I think they've been advocating for like um like a two-week playoffs, especially in the, those first rounds and stuff. Like that's a really smart adjustment that's been made over recent years because it makes sense. A one and done doesn't make sense given the variability of the game we're playing. But um yeah, 
it, may, it might actually provide more opportunity to do things like that, like have two weeks where it's uh, two games versus just instead of having one game. But, I mean, outside of that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree, too. I, I'm interested to see how they handle this with the extra game, if they change the way they use players at all or anything like that. Uh, and like you said, we probably won't even know for sure after this year. But I agree with Scott, too, that at the end of the season, I still think it's week 17 is probably going to be pretty similar to week 16 uh, of previous years. Um, so I'm not too worried about guys resting much more later than they normally would, especially with the seventh uh NFL playoff team and the only one by. Um, but let's just get right into then the uh, d- the discussion we have uh, for, for the middle of the show here, which is the ADP discussion we wanted to talk about. Uh, I pulled uh, some, along with the help of uh, one of my buddies, I just want to give him a shout out, Derek Smith at RealGoat13 on Twitter. Uh, he's just a guy in some of my leagues, not, not a podcast or anything, but he helped me put this uh, spreadsheet together, which is basically just... Um, ADP for 23 leagues. Uh, a lot of them are mine. Uh, they're all 12 teams, super flex, tight end, premium. The, the the premiums vary, but everything else is pretty much similar in terms of the scoring. So we could be kind of comparing apples to apples. And just wanted to kind of go over rookie drafts. A lot of a lot of people have had their rookie drafts, but a lot of people haven't. I know I still have four or five still to go. Um, we got some of these from Twitter uh, people as well to so to get some different uh, variation in there and. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of go through these, just kind of talk about the, about the ADP that we're seeing um, from actual leagues where people are paying money to, you know, run these teams and, and anything we disagree on, anything we agree on, things like that, just what we're seeing. So I'm, I figured I'd take them kind of to not, not take too long on this, kind of in groups of six or so here. So do a half a round and then just kind of anything sticks out. So uh, I think the most uh, leagues, the first round is generally going to be the 12 guys you're, I'm going to say here uh, when we get to the end of the round, just in some order. But uh, in Superflex, 101 has obviously been Trevor Lawrence in almost every single league. Uh, Trey Lance is the one that averages out here is the 102. Justin Fields is the 103. Uh, Kyle Pitts is the 104, Najee Harris is the 105, and Jamar Chase is the 106. So I think they are, um, in most drafts, going to be the top six guys. Uh, you may see a little variation, especially with the maybe the fourth quarterback in there. I guess one thing I want to ask um, you, Peter, is uh, uh, your thoughts on, on on the Kyle Pitts at 104. Where are you at with Pitts? I, I'm not sure. You may have mentioned it on your podcast, but I'm not sure. where. Do you think he should be drafted that high? What, what do you think of a tight end going at 104? In tight Just end. openly admitting you don't listen to my podcast. I appreciate it. I do. That. I listen to your podcast uh, on my YouTube <laughs> channel, or you don't know who the hell I am. That's cool. No, that's cool. I just that's listen cool. to way too many podcasts, so I can't remember exactly what you're right, 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 right. <laughs> Good cover. Good cover. Um, yeah, I have him uh, about 104. If I was doing a rookie draft board, it makes sense. You know, uh, your scoring settings may change everything drastically, but, you know, I'm not going to address every scoring setting. Um, just be aware of what bet you're making. I mean, he's really being overdrafted, but he's being incredibly overdrafted compared to other tight ends we've overdrafted. So there's something there. Um, he does have, if you were going to say there was a perfect receiver tight end profile from college, which there isn't because there isn't enough of them really to get a good idea <laughs> of what a perfect one looks like, Carl Pitts would probably have it. Um, but he's someone that's in the vein of a Jordan Reed, Nevin Ingram, 
and that's why he looks good. He's a little undersized compared to the guys we're actually seeking, like um, Mr. Kittle and Mr. Gronkowski. And Mr. Graham was bigger too, but he was a receiving tight end, so I don't know. Um, so really, it's a value thing. Tight ends typically maintain their value um, into the year two, which to me is a value loss, which is normally why I don't target them. But he's being so highly drafted. I think unless he literally sets a field on fire accidentally when he walks onto it, I think he's going to hold or even increase in value. The first time he catches a touchdown, it, it's going to be a big deal. The first time he doesn't kill himself trying to catch pass people are going to be like see i told you everyone's looking to feed into this confirmation bias so they're probably going to and that's why i have him at 104 i want in superflex obviously i want the quarterback or two but I, I want my number one running back over them i want my number one wide receiver of the most players in this draft um, and after that i start thinking about carl pitts from a value perspective um you can fit the running back two in there as well which is where he drops down to four if i remember right yeah, so Scott, would you uh, are you on that? And I agree with Peter too, by the way. I and, I, and John Bosch has talked a lot about this. I think his value is going to stay. At worst, it's going to stay where it is. And and if he does anything this year, it's it's going to rise because because like Peter said, the confirmation bias of everyone who's been, you know, everyone in the dynasty community is in love with Kyle Pitts. And and once he does anything remotely good, it's just going to prop him up even more. But um, Scott, are you on the the pits that early bandwagon? And do you think any quarterbacks should be in the top six that aren't there? Um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's fine. Uh, I'm looking at mine too. I have about uh, 26 complete drafts right now. I only have uh, 21 in my spreadsheet, but are, it's interesting to see that they're nearly identical here as far as the the overall order. Um. I've seen Pitts go as high as two and as low as six. Um, so it kind of looks to me like there's uh, there's a tear break there at six, actually. So um, I don't think there I don't like Wilson enough for him to be in the top six, uh, you know, based on the the highest running back wide receiver and tight end. And those three quarterbacks to me are, are in a tier of their own at the top. So. Um, yeah, I mean, Pitts in a tight end premium, I get it. Um, I have even taken a couple shares of him just because it's like, I don't even necessarily care, but I'll, I'll trade him if I can get a, you know, if I can get a haul for him, I'm happy to do that. Um, so yeah, it, it all makes sense to me looking at, you know, what I've come across in my leagues and the variety I have and what we have here in this sheet. So we, you know, we're putting together nearly 50 leagues here. And it's it's coming out with almost identical data, so uh, that that really tells you we're seeing these trends. Now, what's interesting though is that it it always changes. <laughs> we don't play a single game <laughs> over the next few yeah. months, but if you have a, a rookie draft in July or August, I guarantee some of those will be different. But the top six is pretty much locked in. I don't really see that going anywhere. Just the order based on um you know need or whatever now i don't draft for need but uh as our our good friend uh izzy pointed out a couple weeks ago sometimes there's a reason those teams have the 101 and i did see uh, a 101 team take Najee harris 101 and uh and then 
<laughs> Fields went, uh, no, sorry, Trey Lance went two. And so the guy who had picks three and four got Lawrence and picks. <laughs> so, I mean, you just don't know what people are going to do. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So don't panic. Hold your picks. Move them on the clock if you can get a boatload. Otherwise, that top six is pretty well locked in. Yeah, I agree. The the six is 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 pretty much where it's going in almost every draft. There's a handful of instances, even in this thing, where maybe one of them got to seven or something like that. Um, and, and it's almost pretty much exactly how I would have them ranked as well. I might, I probably, I have Fields over Lance, um, but I would rather have Pitts over the other two non quarterbacks and and have the running back over the receiver with Harris over Chase. Um, but let's let's move on to the uh, the next six, which is Zach Wilson at 107, uh, Travis Etienne at 108, Javante Williams at 109, Mac Jones at 110, uh, Devontae Smith at 111, and uh, Jalen Waddle at 112. Anything in particular stick out there for you, Peter? Or is that pretty much look look right to you? 111 to 12. Uh, seven to looking- 12. Seven twelve. Uh she's a super flex, obviously. That's why Zach Wilson's so high. Um yeah. Nothing yeah, looks too weird. Zach Wilson, there was one where somebody took him two in one of my leagues, and I do see a two in here. It looks like uh TA9. Shout yeah. out <laughs> shout out TA9. Pick two. All right. So yeah. hey, you're not alone. You're not alone, my friend. What what are your thoughts on uh, Zach Wilson, Peter? In case anybody listens to uh, to to my podcast and somehow not yours, so oh, <laughs> I, I, I don't really evaluate quarterbacks very much. It's uh, nothing works for him. Um, well, a few things have some Zach Wilson. Um, as I know, he's kind of polarizing. Some people like me and Zach, I, I don't like him at all, and and some people draft him at two. So, <laughs> yeah, he's difficult because I saw a meme of him in Twitter being cut into a, a Sunny D commercial, being the kid, and now I can't <laughs> see anything else. <laughs> so it's a little hard, and I'm extremely biased now. Cause, um, yeah, that was perfect. Uh, the Jets, man. The Jets are probably where I go to that. I don't believe the Jets are going to unlock the potential of players. I don't. And until they prove that the cha- entire change of the coaching staff is enough to do that, uh, yeah, I'm probably more out than I'm in. And uh, just looking at it for me, the other one I disagree with slightly here is is having ETN over Williams. Um, Scott, where are you at with those two? Um, yeah, to me, I don't, I honestly don't care. Um, the thing it comes down to is I don't like or trust urban Meyer in any way (laughs) whatsoever. Um, so I love Travis Etienne. Uh, I think he, he might have, uh, he might be a really fun player to watch, but I just, I don't trust that, that team or that staff. So, um, you know, for me, uh, probably I'll probably take Javante over him. I probably prefer it, but honestly, I'm willing to take kind of whoever's there. If I am taking running back, I just typically, um, I'm just typically not taking running backs. So I don't, I don't have any shares of ETN at this point, and I have two of Williams. So I guess that kind of tells you where I'm at. Yeah, and I, I only have this one whole class is just trade up. Just yeah, trade trade up, <laughs> go go get the actual guy instead yeah. of hoping to get the n- not in this class. 
I mean, it'll happen, and people will look back and see. See, could have got Antonio Gibson in the second, but like, right? Yeah, well, can yeah, you can you, you remember a class, picks, Peter? Like you this? <laughs> can can you remember there a class some like this? Yeah, there's some interesting comparables. Uh, there, uh, there were some good comparisons to 2015 and 16. That's a little apropos when you've got coming off a great wide receiver year. But honestly, there are a lot of comparables. I've heard it compared to 2018 as well, which I like a lot as well, because the benefit of that class were the wide receivers were really easy to read. And this these wide receivers are kind of really easy to read. Um, and also, there are going to be a lot of running back misses. Like People are going to reach on guys for the positional value and um, end up with a lot of... A lot of bad picks. Um, so, yeah, I think 2018 is fair comparison as well. And the two best wide receivers in the class were smaller guys, which also fits. Right, yeah. Apart from okay. yeah. there wasn't a Jamar Chase in that class, but there was a Saquon Barkley, and that's my right. comparison there. True, true. Okay, then we'll, we'll just move on to the second round here. I'm not sure how far we're going to go. I, I don't want to keep Peter too long, but um, – 201 and and to prove I, I do listen i know i know you talked about this guy at length on your most recent podcast peter uh rashad bateman at 201 uh trey sermon at 202 rondale moore at 203 uh elijah moore at 204 which you're definitely seeing that a lot of the moors going very close together uh 205 michael carter 206 terrace marshall um what if you want to speak on baby, you can go ahead and do that. But one of the things that sticks out to me is, is Trey Sermon at two Oh two just reeks to me of guy. People wanting to draft. Yeah. Wanting to draft the running back. You agree with that? Yeah. There's a really good case to be made. I get it. Same with Michael Carter, who I liked a little bit better in terms of production in college, but, um, yeah, back to the, this is 2018. It's their good guesses in a bad class. There. And that's what you you don't pay what you would normally pay, <laughs> what you would have paid last right. year to go get them. Um, so, like, again, the start of the second round is too high, but the start of the second round this year, I get it. I get it. <laughs> you want to fit in a little Tutu Atwell in there? And then maybe, I guess. But, I mean, <laughs> uh, early second round picks aren't, aren't necessarily as worth what they uh, always are. They are on average. So I get it, but I'm kind of avoiding them just because – Again, it can happen, and if it happens, and running back was the position to go get, and if it doesn't, you probably even want the wide receiver that disappoints because they're at least going to be around longer. <laughs> yeah, and I, I look at it and see. I mean, again, a lot of these are my drafts, so that's what I'm seeing is that Mike, your Michael Carter, you're getting a little cheaper, um, and if you want to try and go for the running back, I'd rather take one in the, in the even later um, that I think has just as much of an opportunity to succeed. Uh, the draft capital obviously is not great, but it's not like sermons was that much better. It was day two compared to day three, but I think they're only like 19 picks apart um, analytically, which I mean, even excluding the draft capital, how did, how did you look at sermon and Carter pre-draft? Uh, Trey Sermon was a good RB1 on two different teams, and I like the fact that he was, well, the equivalent of traded for or transferred or whatever it is in college onto a higher-level team, and also just they, they got him because he took the job, and he did fairly well with it, but he was basically a team average running back in both instances. He didn't break the position. He didn't do more than other good players on those teams have done and that's kind of what i'm typically looking for well that doesn't mean he's bad or that he's going to fail in the nfl because this because most 
great players in the NFL do stand out significantly. That tends to be what I'm looking for. Who did more than what most people do in this situation? Trey Sermon was good. And Michael Carter was a little better compared to his conference, compared to his team level on a per attempt basis because he was basically split in the backfield bit more of a receiving skill set. He'd been pressed more in his situation. But I get that Sermon was a more typical running back one. He's larger. Everyone loves drafting 49er players, no matter how many times that kicks him in the dick quite literally every year. So, you know, go have your fun. He's big. He, he, yeah, he's certainly big. And, and he was good where he played. I'm not saying he was bad. I'm just normally kind of looking for someone who outplayed his situation and just fit into it, especially at running back. But that's where I'm at. So does the yeah. fourth the fourth round for Carter does that affect how you would view him or rank him now as compared to pre-draft like if he was second mm. round versus fourth round is it that big of a difference um, yeah it's, it's a huge difference NFL draft capital is one of the most important things but then you have to make your own bets right I mean there's a reason I drafted Aaron Rodgers Aaron Jones on every team that year and not Jamal Williams and that worked out I just think Michael Carter stands out the fact that he fell to the fourth in the draft there's so many things the NFLs take into account that we're not right um that can really play into where players get drafted. And it's a problem. He's less guaranteed churches. He's not a first-round running back, so he doesn't have that insulation value of the team intends to give him those opportunities. He's got to earn it. And, and it makes him a lower odds bet. But if I think the player is the best one around that ADP, I'm not going to be scared of it either. Sometimes, sometimes the NFL gets a deal. Sometimes they get something wrong. Makes sense. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. And I, I don't, I'm not able to do the numbers thing as well as you, Peter. I, I do try and watch. I literally mentioned though. no numbers. <laughs> no <laughs> oh, numbers. I know, not there, but I'm just saying in general. All I have to go on is I try and watch as many of these guys before. And I, I liked Carter more than Sermon prior. The, the draft capital, like I said, I don't think is drastically different. It's not like Sermon was a second round guy either, he was late third. So, um, uh, I'm going with the guy I liked more pre-drafting Carter. Um, and I just think Sermon's being a little overdrafted, e even in a not great draft. Um, I guess one other guy I did want to uh, mention before we move on to the next set is, is Terrace Marshall. Cause I know a lot of people are high on him. Um, what do you think of, of Marshall going to Carolina and maybe his prospects going forward? He has a great opportunity to own me. Not that that's forefront of his mind, although I'm sure he's thinking about it a little bit. Um, <laughs> He's the type of wide receiver that I honestly see bust written all over on. He's coming from a team where two great players are coming from, and so everyone thinks that's where great wide receivers come from. He did nothing until his final year. Then when he did do something in his final year, it was, I say it was below average, but there's guys that are a lot smarter than me that say it was above average on a per-game attempt or if you truncate the season because of a pandemic. I do, I would ask, could I stop having this per game conversation at wide receiver prospect evaluation if a global pandemic wasn't a good enough reason? Because I have heard every reason under the sun why this guy, this guy would have done it. And therefore, <laughs> therefore, and now global pandemic is the reason. And it's true. I don't know. I haven't seen that many global pandemics happen <laughs> in college. So it could be. And I think in that last year, you hit a 30% dominator rating. So he broke out of those thresholds. But all I know is if you compare that numbers to players that have gone on to do well in the past in the NFL, not adjusting them for things that we think are true, but just what he did compared to other players, he's significantly a blow average across everything I look at. 
Um, having said that, he dropped in the NFL draft, apparently, because he was meant to be a first-round pick, which Philip Dorsett, here we come. Um, <laughs> but he, he dropped oh, to the second, shit. which meant that play, people's expectations dropped. He's falling into the second round. That's a very good bet to make for the wide receiver one last year. And through seven games, which was really only he did all of his work in three games, by the way. So we're betting on three games at the college level. During a global pandemic, when we know defenses were on the back foot, not offenses, defenses were on the back foot. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't watch. So I, I, I don't know if he's good or not. And if you think that Terrence Marshall is very, very good, that's where you take that risk. You know, that's not a first round pick. It's a second round pick in a fairly weak class. And it can happen. Um, but he doesn't compare well by what I look at um, to past prospects that have gone on to do well. And there are some exceptions. Um, the problem is he doesn't compare well to those exceptions either. Like Michael Thomas, his numbers don't – that's not what happened to him. Uh, Tyreek Hill, that's not what happened to him either. And Terry McLaurin, who I'm still trying to figure out, that just seems to be an Ohio thing through two distinct year, years apparently. Right. And, but, again, he doesn't look like that. He doesn't look like Julian Edelman, who was a quarterback, or Wes Welker, who was a running back. Like he, So the exceptions don't really get me on him either. Um, but I do listen to other people, and the fact that J.J. Zacharyson and Matt Friedman are really high on the guy means that getting him in the second round is probably a steal, but I have to make my own decisions. And because I think he's probably overinflated because of those seven games in his last season, which are really three games, uh, I'm probably not. But right here, where he's in this ADP, yeah, I don't see many. All the players I really want to get instead of him are gone. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, I, I you're making me feel a little better that I think I have zero Terrace Marshall shares through like 20 drafts. Um, but like you said, if you're getting him at 206, I mean, especially I'm gonna go in. I was just gonna mention that point when I read the next six is that basically after this point is where everything really starts to go to hell in in this draft. I mean, there um, are some interesting players, but they're separated out enough by draft capital and ADP yeah. that you're like, I can get both. I can get both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we'll go right into those next six to finish off the second round, which is uh Pat Fryermuth at 207. Again, this is tight end premium. Kadari first rounder, Kadarius Tony at 208. Yeah. <laughs> 209, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh 210, Amari Rogers, 211, Diami Brown, and 212, Kenneth Gainwell. Um, Anything stick out there for you, Scott? Any players you particularly like at those ADPs? Or again, like I said, I know everybody pretty much agrees after about the uh, 18 or so spot, it, it definitely falls off. So, what do you think of that second half of the second round, Scott? Yeah, Fry, I, I do like Fryermuth quite a bit for the tight end premium. Um, I'm perfectly willing to take him over pretty much any of these receivers here. Um, it's surprising to me that Amari Rogers isn't getting the Packers bump. Um, I've said I the same thing. <laughs> people are kind of, you know, I guess worried about the the Rogers situation. I guess so. Maybe that's why. Um, I do like him enough. Uh, you know, I think he can contribute early and often. Um, Diami Brown is kind of in an interesting spot only because. So here's a guy that like. If they had him last year with like Alex Smith, he'd be like, yeah, forget about it. Alex Smith will never throw it to him. Mm -hmm. um, but now with uh, Fitzmagic, you know, he could be one of those guys that like you take a dart throw on. I mean, listen, his, you know, 211 here, I've gotten him at the 311 uh, in multiple leagues at the end of the third. I'm willing to take a dart throw like that because 
all he has to do is have one or two big games early and you can flip him or package him for someone else. And I'm perfectly willing to do that with some of these late picks, especially like the home run hitting guys like that. Um, you know, if it's best ball, Hey, great. Yeah. Throw, throw them in there. Um, you know, cause I'll take that production. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, and Amon or St. Brown, obviously there's, you know, we talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago, just with so many receivers there in Detroit and, and none of them are good. So he should have an opportunity to build some rapport with uh golf or whoever's back there and, and do something. So these guys are all perfectly fine dart throws. Um, but I'm also uh, perfectly fine getting out of here too. You know, if I can get a future pick um, or even a, a productive veteran that'll help my competitive, my competing team. You know, I'd rather do that than any of these guys. I'm not a Gainwell guy at all. Um, and Peter, I don't know if you can add anything to this, but basically he would have to be a total outlier in order to succeed. Like he doesn't fit any sort of metric or, um, or system or build or any, any sort of previous, uh, you know, comp. He just, doesn't fit like and i know that the game is changing and we're finding more guys like that succeeding so i think he can have like a naheem hines type role he's kind of a bigger hines almost um but i think he has to be like a a super outlier to be successful and i just don't want to i don't want to use a second round pick on that um yeah i don't have any comment on his size or anything i don't even have it i didn't know if he had pro day numbers on that but um i will say i prospect running backs mostly through what they did he was playing in memphis the american west which is <laughs> isn't the best conference but in the one season where he actually played and um, obviously he had to opt out last year and he was injured i think the year before um his production was it was on par to top 12 running backs frankly <laughs> on a yard yeah, per okay. team attempt yards per team pass attempt is pretty decent he had a pretty decent three damn roll uh i was trying to look it up because it's been a while since i looked at game well uh yeah, seventy one percent of comparisons to Gibson. Seventy-one percent of uh, Gamewell's r- yards came from the rushing game. Um, no, I don't. He's a running back. Um, I don't see okay. him as a potential convert. Like I think he only has one season. He fell in the draft, so it's becoming less and less likely. I haven't seen him. We haven't seen anything from him in two years or so. So right. it's a little risky. Um, I would point out, like I adjust for what. If people can take on information I literally don't have, um, and like Jake Anderson, who used to be on my podcast before I literally made him quit the game, and he said he looked <laughs> bad on tape. The other things that a running back has to do, he's not really even interested in doing, was basically the way he described it. Um, and that makes me worry. And because he fell in the draft, I don't have to worry about it too much. Um, so, yeah, I would say that one year of a production was pretty good. Um his best year yards per team attempt, for example, is like 2.2. The average for running backs who have top 12 seasons around 2.1. 2.1. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking decimal point differences. <laughs> so yeah, but he, it sounds like he's right in there with what you have. Range, but that okay. one year that he did have was decent. He was productive in that year. I liked it. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. That, that helps. Yeah. And the, the one other question, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> um, I wanted to ask you before we move on is, um, these four receivers here that, that people are, are, you know, taking the dart throws at, is there any of the four that, you know, Tony, St. Brown, Rogers, Deami Brown, that stick out to you above the others as a good, a good dart throw? Yeah, this is a really weird year for me. Normally I'm really excited about someone in the third and the fourth round, and I'm not because I went to terrible landing spots this year. Um, yeah, the guy that we didn't mention that I honestly get excited about, like I overpaid for him because the 
the person who had the pig knew I wanted him, so I had to basically. But uh, Elijah Moore, I'm really interested. Like, if this is 2018, I think Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore are, are the um, DJ Moore and Riley Ridley of this class. I don't really know what to make of Mr. Smith, uh, Devontae Smith. I like him, I think he was really good the last two years, but we're not having that conversation right now. <laughs> right, um, right. But Elijah Moore did it every year. And he did it on a team, by the way, that also had competition in the case of DK Metcalf and AJ Brown that first year. So, like, it's not like he wasn't playing in a decent situation um, either. Uh, And did slightly more that year when they were both still there. She had 9%, I think, of the team's receiving yards, as opposed to Terrence Marshall, who had fucking nothing, basically. Um, Pardon me. Um, So, yeah, I like Elijah Moore. He he was impressive every year. Um, he's fallen into this mid-second round pick area, and I literally played a next year first to get another pick in the second round to go get him because again, okay. that was that was that, a, that was awesome. a strong overpay. But I I was my goal this year is just 100% Jamar Chase, and I so far achieved no Jamar Chase, <laughs> and I either. also wanted Rashad Bateman, who I've managed to acquire once twice at value, um, because I don't know what Baltimore's going to do, but I think he's the type of player I really like to target, and Elijah Moore. And I'm failing to trade for Chase. Bateman's fallen to me a few times, and I have no Elijah Moore, so I just kind of did what I had to do. There. <laughs> I just don't want to leave without some. Um, I know in the one league, Peter and I are in together as a TA7, I think it is. Gabe has been taunting him about – Gabe Gearing has taunted him about the fact that he's got Elijah Moore and Peter yeah. doesn't. <laughs> he drafted him literally the pick before me, and it's <laughs> mm. – <laughs> Mm, that was painful. <laughs> That's what literally made me walk over to the other league and offer a first to someone. <laughs> it's, like, it's not. This isn't happening. Um, yeah, I like Elijah Moore a lot. And I guess the one other guy I wanted to ask about was uh, was Kadarius Tony because there's so much hate on him. Uh, Why bother? <laughs> I just wanted to get Peter's thoughts on Tony before we. It doesn't matter. Jason Garrett's his offensive coordinator, the most uncreative man in history. What's he going to do with him? Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about ADP, but it's starting to sound like weak sauce to say it's fine. It's way we need to draft him. Um, I don't like Tony. I think Cordero Patterson is his upside based on what I've been told. He, but he didn't play enough in college that I can really tell. It's same with Jalen Waddle. And and also Terrace Marshall, they just didn't play enough for me to really have a full opinion on them. Okay. And it's fine to say I know, just don't know in that case. But I will say Jalen Waddle, his heights when he did play were interesting. Like I, I can see some of it in the 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 best of what he did. And Tony just no, <laughs> he didn't do any of that. But he does seem like an unusual player. Um, and again, that's a problem going to the Giants. He's so really good at not, dropping passes. But that's just how he compares. And again, he just didn't play enough. So if you have some other okay. information, like you watch or you have someone else who has a different process and says there's something else there, not again it. Um, but he's he's not my kind of guy. <laughs> I, I like to cry that's over other things. I remember all these guys are going to miss. Like That's the default. Right. All of them are going to yeah. miss. Right. So who do you want to make you cry? That's the <laughs> Okay, Take the athlete, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess maybe we'll run through this third round real quick, and, and then we can kind of move on to the find me a trade segment. Um, 301, Chuba Hubbard. 302, Kalamon. 303, Kyle Trask. 304, Nico Collins. 305, David Mills. 
306 Dwayne Eskridge. And Scott, the question I ask you is this is generally the area, sometimes even the late second, where we see uh, these back, these quarterbacks that, you know, from draft capital on the starters in front of them, the, the you know, profile as backups for at least a year or two. Is there any of these um, that you're particularly interested in or have targeted any of your drafts, these three, three quarterbacks? Yeah, all three of them. All three of them. <laughs> Because at this point, it's it's just a it's a value hit for me. So um, the wide receivers um, in the third, basically, here's for me personally in the third round is like a, what I've calculated is like a twelve percent hit rate. So um, yeah, on on wide receivers. So I don't really care about them. I'm willing to take uh, shots here and there. You know, they're lottery tickets. That's what we always say about these third and fourth rounders. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to uh, the quarterbacks are they're really not going to lose value. I mean, Kyle Trask is potentially the future there, you know, behind Brady. So he's still going to have the same value or maybe more. Um, Mills or Mond, if they get a chance to play this year, um, or even if they don't, they could still be considered the future and the value could still go up. So if I can, if you get anyone in this guys, range who gets on the field and plays games, you're pretty much winning. So exactly. Mon's interesting for that direction. And so's David Mills for the same reason. Exactly. Like I don't think he's Dak Prescott, but if he plays games this year, you're getting more than you should probably expect. A hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's a, and that's exactly right. And I know that a quarterback is far more likely to hold or gain the value than Especially these guys. Now, I'm not saying, right. you know, Dwayne Eskridge could come in if, nah. you know, Tyler Lockett gets hurt or something <laughs> and he comes, I mean, whatever it's, it's anything's possible, but like, is it likely? No. Um, so in, I'm just, in this I'm range, take... I definitely think Hubbard um, as well, Hubbard Mills, cause it's super flex and mm -hmm. Mon, those are kind of where I'm going for the immediate value. I, I think Miranda Stevenson running backs get exceptionally interesting because of the way things can just turn out right. um, at that position. 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, we're definitely on the same page there. I mean, none of these guys are exciting by any means and, you know, whatever. At this point, it's the third round. I always say take take the guy you want. I don't care if you're seeing his ADP at 301 or 312. Just it doesn't matter. Just go get the guy you want and live with it. You want to take Hunter Long. You want to take Brevin Jordan. Cool. Fine. Tight end premium. Grab those guys. Put them on your taxi squad for a couple of years. You know, whatever. I mean, um, the downside there is I do love Taylor Wallace, and he's in here, and that's oh, I love Taylor Wallace. <laughs> Not only too. do you have to hope that the offense changes unexpectedly because this might has to be unexpected, but also like I, I guess Marcus Brown has to die. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Mark Andrews has to take another year off, but I do You're love right. Taylor Wallace. Um, right. And shout out Josh Palmer in this range as well, because Tano yes. loves him. He's got Canadian maple syrup in his veins, and apparently yeah. that matters, uh, according to the very analytical-minded Tano. That is the secret so, sauce yeah. to Peter's model. To Tano, <laughs> at least. And I'll take a bet on a Canadian that will make Tano happy. That's Hell yeah. Fine. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely in a better landing spot than everyone I actually like. So, I mean, I'll true. take it. Very true. Very true. The the other the other one there at the end is uh two two Atwell at the three twelve and like I got him in an auction um for two bucks. It's just like I I mean yeah, he's, he's the pick. secret guy I'm looking cool. for. Like I'm gonna take two two as low as you let me because I, it's an extreme thing. 
but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. He's the size of a 14-year-old, but he is all grown up. He is a, full, a fully grown man, so not a 14-year-old, and was more productive than everyone else would take him down here. So I'll take it. The Rams like it, and they yeah. know something about football, I guess, hopefully. Hey, maybe. I mean, they don't need first-round picks, so, you know. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so... Um... Like I said, we've gone through three rounds by player. Uh, just, uh, I guess the last thing I'll say or ask before we move on is just anybody that we haven't mentioned that you like taking a dart throw in fourth or fifth rounds um, of drafts. Yeah, weirdly, um, I like a few undrafted free agents. It just becomes about running back. If you can't find anyone to love, like Tutu Atwell or Taylor Wallace, I'll take shots of those. Dimey's going too early for that kind of conversation. I like Josh Palmer, like we just mentioned. Seriously, I mean, why the frick not? If yeah. Tan likes him and he's from Canada, I mean, that seems to be the only <laughs> thing I can find that might have made Chase Claypool look less productive, so I'll take it. Well, I had in try. a Canadian variable, whatever. <laughs> um, but there's Javion Hawkins, who's actually an undrafted free agent, so you can pretty much get him any time after this if you like. And he's another tiny guy, but that's this class. He's playing at running back on the Falcons, and he can catch passes a little bit more, and he actually showed that a little bit more in college than most running backs who are undersized in this class. So I don't mind it, but people on Twitter, at least, are already kind of going crazy over that. So I don't like it outside of, the, outside of that <laughs> conversation. I've ended up with a lot of Jamar Jefferson. Look, I don't think he was good. I think he's another one of those running backs who was good in his situation. Not He didn't outplay his situation. But, I mean, he's also one of the few 21-year-old running backs in this entire class. Um, he went to Detroit, who needs someone to do something. <laughs> um, so why not? Uh, I've ended up with a lot of Jamar Jefferson, and I have no strong feelings about him one way or the other. But it's just running back, right age, who was pretty decent in college, who could fall into work at some point. Um, although I'm the only one who doesn't think Swift is the second coming, apparently. I, I think he's okay. I think he's, I think he's definitely a better prospect than everyone in this class. Well, everyone but Najee and maybe ETN. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, Jamal Jefferson, why not? I'm not expecting it, but I've literally just picked him up because I've got no one else I want in the fourth round a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. About, and any thoughts on Chris Evans with knowing Mixon can't stay healthy? Chris Evans never did anything college. I, I don't understand where the Chris Evans love comes from. So, I've heard Ray GQ talk about him as well, and he just didn't do anything for me. So the it's an crazy bed, thing I is I am a huge, huge Michigan fan since I was nine years that, old. And that. I've watched every single Michigan game. And I like Chris Evans, but he did do anything in college so i don't get it, at get it. All. Like, I don't, how do i assess that where chris evans is a man who's a running back that's it that's like oh yeah. that's some total I, of the things i don't I know get about it him. i don't get it or can well, he's, he's captain america that's what it is yeah right. <laughs> you can't even find anything else when you google it you just get freaking captain america um yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys I was really looking to be excited about in this range. Like Jalen Darden, I really thought was a decent deep wide receiver shot, but not yeah. freaking in Tampa Bay. Come on, Very, man. I've got too many, too many Tyler Johnson and Justin Watsons on my rosters already, so that's a little rough. And so I'm, I'm actually defaulting a lot to running back, not because they're on wide receivers I like here. They're just they're terrible situations. So um, who did I just saw you've got in there? Jarrett Patterson. I mean, if you want, if you want a receiving yard, he'll rush. <laughs> like that's that's Jarrett Patterson, and the same with Spencer Brown. Another really deep late. I think he was an undrafted free agent pickup. Actually, I mean, 
no matter what you need, they'll rush for a yard. That's what they do. And then again, both are a little <laughs> undersized. That's kind of this class. Um, but yeah, I'm devolting to running back because of the uh, slightly larger potential for early opportunity for lower drafted players at running back right. and the value of those touches in, in, in fantasy in general. Right, and I'm with you there. Like, I love Seth Williams, but Denver? <laughs> really, Denver? Uh, really, that's what you uh, needed? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm with you there once you, once you get past that third round on just shooting for running backs, and then at least maybe you can get the value, uh, you know, if they, if they get a couple starts and you can flip them or something. And Hawkins, apparently I'm I, the first guy I think you mentioned was JV and Hawkins, and mm -hmm. uh, that's the guy I've been drafting on as well. Largely largely the whole narrative, uh, you know, Atlanta doesn't have anybody besides Mike Davis. I, I looked on DynastyPlanet.com recently, and I, I apparently own the most shares of any rookie is, is JV and Hawkins. I think I have six. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so, so hopefully he does get a few starts, and I, I can sell him in a few places for a second or third or something uh but scott is there anybody else that uh, peter didn't mention that that the, you might want to point out before we the only on? other name is i mean at this point you're you're looking for upside or you're looking for maybe an offense that has a good quarterback so cornell powell in kc because i mean who who else is he competing with i mean after you know once you get past kelsey and, and tyree kill it's like Byron freaking Pringle and like these guys, they keep resigning to one year deals and like they're all just average. And Sammy Watkins is gone, so um, Powell could yeah. very well be the next Michael Hardman or or worse. <laughs> I was just gonna say, Michael um, Hardman's not gonna be a thing, Scott. But hey, if Hardman was taken in the second round, it's been a second, and my tweet's a top tweet, like Dynasty Mog retweeted me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just wanted to recheck because I was like, am I missing anyone else? Yeah. Talking of those low drafted players, I'm just taking similar players just keep ending up being my third and fourth round picks. I've got a lot of Kenny Yeboa, which is weird for an undrafted tight end because yeah. why the hell not when I get really deep in these things? Yep. Kalen Hill. I mean, I love Aaron Jones. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. Kalen Hill was one of the more interesting deep in running backs. Mm -hmm. Again, a terrible landing spot, but it's running back. So I guess. Um, Jared Patterson, John Jefferson, as I mentioned, uh, even taking a few shots on Brevin Jordan because you really shouldn't a yeah. tight end, but it's the year of right. the tight end. Kyle Pitts, <laughs> let's go. So I'm taking Kenny Yaboa. <laughs> and like you said, Yaboa, I mean, you can tell yourself a story where he could, you know, work his way into the Jets starting tight end or something. The problem with no tight end, there. apart from freaking Pitts, obviously, who's going to be the exception along with Evan Ingram. Like, you're really waiting three years. Like, that's the yeah. problem with drafting him. Even though I love Kenny Yaboa, it's like, he's probably going to hit the waiver wire at some point, and I'll pick him up again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. you're really waiting three years. But, yeah. <laughs> so, I've got more Dimey Brown than anyone else, and that's because everyone's freaking sniping Elijah Moore, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just this roster of players I don't want. <laughs> and so I take Dimey, because, yeah, sure, why not? I like him. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I didn't mean to get into that. I just thought it was <laughs> no, no problem. Oh, that was perfect. Yes, definitely. Okay, so we'll uh, move on to to finish up here with find me a trade. Uh, as we've mentioned, we're we're trying to make this back to a regular thing here. Um, so anybody, if you have, uh, we do have a few in the pipeline. But if anybody wants to submit a roster, just. Uh, DM them or, or to uh, the Twitter handles you hear at the end of the show, either me, Scott, or the pod, um, and we'll get it on the show and find a trade for you. So this week, um, it's a 12-team PPR Superflex 2.0 tight end premium league. Uh, it's got 32-man rosters, start 10. 
um, a QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, super flex, and then there's two flex spots. Uh, so I'm going to run down his roster real fast, and then we'll get into the trades. I'll just uh, do the highlights, which is uh, quarterback. He's got Dak, Goff, and Fitzpatrick as starters. He's also got Cam and Andy Dalton, who may or may not start some games this year. Uh, at running back, he's got Dalvin Cook, Dobbins, Joe Mixon, uh, Miles Gaskin, even Damian Harris could see some play, Zach Moss. So he's he's got some depth at running back of potentially at least usable guys. And uh, wide receiver, he's basically got A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and a bunch of guys. Um, and then at tight end, uh, again, it's 2.0 premium. So what he has there is an ideal. He's got Robert Tanyan, Tyler Higby, uh, Jimmy Graham, Parham, um, and he drafted Tommy Tremble. So that's his roster. And what he said was uh, the league was a startup in 2020, finished in third place, looking to make a run in 2021. I feel overall that my starting lineup is fairly strong but lacks any depth, um, which I kind of agree with. And he said he could use some help coming up with some trade ideas. Um, so, Peter, do you want to get into your trades first? Apparently, Peter yeah, doesn't. Sure. He's not. Um... <laughs> I don't know. Same thing happened to me whenever I go looking for trades for myself. I got a few ideas, and I got really bored looking at the rosters, and I just <laughs> kind of gave up. Um, <laughs> this team is geared towards 2021. Not that it's exceptionally old, but it's got a strong roster, and it should really push for 2021. I, I, I agree with the valuation. And so I want to do two things. I want to increase my ceiling. Um, or I want to get back-end value because I'm really going to be pushing for this year. Because the one thing I noticed about this team is Dalvin Cook. Anyone else think Dalvin Cook's potentially Todd Gurley? Like three years ago, Todd Gurley was 25 years old, coming off a slightly down season, but he'd been drafted in the first or second round for three straight years, and everyone loved him, and he was Dynasty yep. Gold. And that's what Dalvin Cook is right now. It's not that I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a bad 2021. I think he's going to have a great 2021, actually. I've, I haven't finished my projections yet, but he's definitely top five, top three, perhaps even top two at the running back position, which is incredibly valuable. But that's it. That's kind of the ride for Dalvin Cook. Like this time next year, I'm you're not going to get anything Gotta like what out. you want for Dalvin Gotta Cook. So, because you're looking at 2021, that means I didn't go looking for Dalvin Cook trades, but I would have it in my mind, guy, that Dalvin Cook's going to be great this year, that's fine, but you're looking for an out in Dynasty, which is rough when your team's looking to win, and you really need Dalvin Cook. So, my next thought was Miles Gaskin. Like, I love Miles Gaskin, I like depth, and Miles Gaskin's great depth is one of the reasons this roster looks good, but he's another player that you kind of need out from, from a value perspective. And I wouldn't build for depth if you're trying to win. Like, Miles Gaskin and Joe Mixon are depth. And so my other thought was combine them and go get a better running back. Increase your ceiling. <laughs> and so I was like, I, I don't know. Looking at the rosters, I got really bored. But, like, the team with Cam Akers, it looks like they might be interested in some sort of trade like that. I actually looked at Aaron Jones, but the Aaron it out team and I don't think they're going to be interested in that trade because they're also they look built for 2021 as well. Yeah. But I thought about trading for Aaron Jones or Travis Etney off that roster, but I don't think they'd go for it. And this is about about the time I got real bored. And <laughs> because the other thing they've got is Evan Ingram, and I think he's a really interesting, potentially higher ceiling tight end that's good trading for Miles Gaskin value right now. So you can improve tight end in I think it's a 2.0 tight end league, right? Yeah. Two points yes. per, per reception. And I, 
Evan Ingram was scoring a touchdown every 340 yards last season. For tight end, it typically varies between one and 150 yards. That's a Daniel Jones level hole. I get it. That's probably the reason. It's probably going to keep up. But outside of that, Evan Ingram was kind of what Evan Ingram was, including in that first year. So, and I think Kenny Galladay can help out, which means that that touchdown rate could come back up. And since he's keeping his touches and has maintained his touches in that offense, that means he could be a tight end to own this year. So Miles Gaskin for Evan Ingram, and he's younger, and will have more value or the same value next year, was Miles Gaskin probably won. And so that's another idea I rolled around my head, and then I was like, eh, it's Evan Ingram. <laughs> you probably won the running back depth, but I would be looking to trade some of that running back depth to improve my ceiling. That puts you on a knife edge, but that's what looking for this year looks like to me. And it means you fail or you win, and I'm okay trying to do those kind of trades. Outside of that, it's adding back-end value, which is trading some of this depth for you know young players at the wide receiver position. But where he said, and I definitely think he should be looking at 2021, I was mostly looking at um, running backs and tight ends. I also thought about trading up his uh, tight His quarterback two is okay. I guess it's Goff. Cam Newton might have another year on him, but I really think they might go Mac Jones because why build an offense around Cam Newton just to reinvent another one to teach Mac Jones next year? But it's his Patriots, so I guess they could do that. Um, so his quarterbacks are really strong, but if I could do something to, especially in Superflex, which this is, I believe, increase yes. that ceiling, go get Dak for my other QB and, and still maintain... Um, oh, he's already got Dak. Go get... Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or, or, or someone you think has a higher ceiling, like push for that ceiling. And But I couldn't really find anything like that again. And this is where round about where I got bored and moved off. But those are my thoughts. <laughs> no, I liked a lot of that. I mean, Cam Akers is a player I'm not specifically as high on as a lot of the community. Uh, I just have some question marks about him. I actually liked your Engram trade more, especially in, in the mm -hmm. 2.0 premium. Um, I, I guess I think it's... A lot of times it can be hard to get those tight ends in the 2.0 premium. But yeah, that's uh, where, yeah. But, but I also feel like a lot of people <laughs> hate Evan Ingram at this point. And I agree with you that, that uh, I mean, I think a lot of people will look at it as Galladay and Barkley coming back and too many mouths to feed. But uh, I think, as you've pointed out previously, like having more good players also helps the entire offense as a whole. So, uh, yeah, so the, that really that could at least make his touchdown rate improve a little bit. Because I think right. Kenny Galladay can do work. I don't, I'm not as addicted to quarterback for wide receiver as some. Like, I think Galladay can make it work, even though Daniel Jones sucks. I mean, right. Alan Robinson has been doing a career out of that. Oh, my God. Tell me but, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't mean I think the Giants offense season explodes. But could both of those two good receivers help each other out? Yes, they definitely could, because they're going to need to. <laughs> and they've got Barkley to help out as well, which will. But um, yeah, sorry, Karen, I didn't mean to jump back in. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, okay, so Scott, um, any thoughts if you want to on, on, on Peter's trades, and then you can go into yours. Yeah, uh, we kind of, I think, identified the same thing. So the first thing I saw was that he had Miles Gaskin, and I was like, all right, we gotta, we gotta move that guy ASAP. Um, so overall, he's got a solid starting lineup. When you don't have these these flex leagues where there's you know four or five flex spots and and can be super creative, you're locking in. You know exactly. You can pretty much tell who the other starters are you're going against, right? And you can figure out what are they scoring every week and what do I need to beat. And so when I line that up, 
I'm looking at basically five spots where I'm going to be probably at the top or within the top three, those two running back and three receiver starting spots. But the problem is you're getting hurt at quarterback and at tight end, which are the two premium spots in this league. And that's where the most points are going to come from. So um, I want to upgrade both or at least one of those positions. And I would definitely look to move, uh, you know, Gaskin. Um, Dobbins is another guy I don't mind throwing out there because you can get I was going to say, if you could combine Gaskin and Dobbins and go get Taylor, like you're just looking to improve that ceiling of that guy. Absolutely. Even CMC, he's old. Everyone hates old players. (laughs) So go get, he's very much a Dalvin Cook 2021 bet, you know, Saquon Barkley. Sorry, same thing. <laughs> no, that's that's exactly right. So uh, there's a team, Grant Bodkin, and he has CMC um, along with a couple other high-end players, but he's lacking in in quarterbacks. He might uh, have some appeal for the like Cam, Fitz, Dalton, Goff, any of those guys you can combine with Gaskin, try to get um, a CMC, uh, grab like a, a Goddard or a Fryermuth, uh, bring one of those guys back to help your, your tight end position. Um, I feel like every time we do this, uh, I'm finding Evan Ingram is the guy that that I go after too for tight ends, just because he's everybody hates him. He's cheap, but yet he's the focal point of that offense. So it's like, all right, you know, the guy's going to catch a lot of passes this year. Well, he's going to drop a lot of passes. Great, he'll drop a lot of passes and he'll catch a lot of passes. I don't care. Just get you know, plug him in, man. He's better than what you have. So, um, you know. Those, yeah, that's the weird thing, options. especially in Dynasty, when you're thinking about winning. It, it you're, you're looking to put yourself on a knife edge, and so much of our focus is on, I like the way my team looks. I like this depth. I've got redundancy. And when you're trying to win, you're trying to get rid of all of it. <laughs> Just trying to improve the the upside at one depth chart position above is the goal, because you need a few extra points per game. That's it. That's the, that's what it looks exactly. like. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what you build it for. Like, yeah, you're going to want some depth, but at the same time, you have future picks. You have other things you can utilize to get that. If you have a a major injury, you know, it it may take down your team regardless, um, you know, or if you make the determination that you can get somebody cheap at that point, maybe it's getting close to the trade deadline. You can pick up a veteran. You bring in a guy like, you know, Chris Carson for a future. Yeah, that's the thing though. That's that's a loser's mentality, man. If I was an actual <laughs> content creator, I'd say something like that. It's like, yeah, you might not have the depth, but I promise whoever your depth is is not replacing Chris uh, Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook. Right. So, right. You can win by attrition, but if you're trying to make moves right now to win, you can't win by you attrition right ceiling. now. You need the yeah. ceiling. And we don't know who's going to be those Miles Gaskins of this season. So you got to keep your eye out, still play your wave away, and you're hoping to get those guys this year again. Not last year's guys. Those are the guys you're going to try and roll. You got to trade those guys. Ceiling. Not that I don't love them. I love those guys. Miles Gaskin, you know, that Austin Eckler's real cheap. Nick Chubb's old, you know, that can improve my running back to ceiling. That's what I'm trying to do. 100%. And- it's funny because my trade is exactly what you guys are not saying. So uh, <laughs> I'm saying not to do. Um, because well, I, that's the thing. You can do one or the other. Add value at the back end or go for your CMC. And it's because the way I was looking at it, like I don't think Gaskin and Dobbins is getting you CMC. So or Jonathan Taylor. Fair so enough. and I didn't want to. I didn't want to dump Cook or Prescott. 
Um, or uh, I'm trying, I can't remember his best way, but he's basically got three really good wide receivers and nothing after them. I didn't want to dump them because he's got to start all three of them. So yeah, I didn't want to go Diggs, Brandon, Ridley, by the way. Yeah, yep. that's what it is. And, and so I didn't want to get rid of any of his really high end guys. And I didn't think he was going to be able to use some of the other guys to upgrade enough, which is why I went more the depth through. And I, um, I wanted to keep Cook and Dobbins. I dumped Mixon to Happy Hippo. Uh, I agree with Scott that he needs tight end help, uh, but in 2.0, I just think it can be really hard to pry away a really good tight end. Um, I think Evan Ingram is like the height of what you can get for a reasonable price, probably. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Um, so um, so I went with uh, Joe Mixon, a happy hippo for Deontay Johnson, Logan Thompson, and see if you can get a pick thrown in, um, because I think both of those guys are kind of undervalued. I, Joe Mixon's a little polarizing. Some people love him. Some people think he's overrated. Um, but if you get the right guy, and I, I'm a bit, as has been stated on this show and on Trade Addicts, I'm a big Deontay Johnson guy. Uh, he finished his like wide receiver 18 in PPR last year. I looked in the scoring here. Um, but if you he he missed um, one game and left it early in three others. If if you average his points over the rest of the games. Uh, he was wide receiver five in points per game. Do I expect him to finish wide receiver five next year? No, um, but I do think he's a little underrated for, for the target volume he's going to get there again this year with Ben. Najee may detract from that a little. They may be able to run a little more, um, but but he's definitely a target hog, and I think he can kind of live in that Robert Woods, Jarvis Landry, low-end wide receiver one, wide high-end wide receiver two range. And Logan Thomas was just kind of, again, a guy uh, who could – you know, things are changing this year with Curtis Samuel there, but I still think he could get a decent target share. And you just kind of get thrown in the mix with Tanya and Higby and hope you average out to a decent tight end is what I was thinking. And then that pick, I don't really care as much about the pick because he is trying to win this year. I was more thinking that then you could then use that pick eventually to get the Gaskin or, or a McKissick or, or some guy that's going to help you win this year that – that you can pick up in season if you need to, um, if there are any injury issues. So again, I went more the depth route where you guys went to the upgrade route. I just I, I couldn't find a good trade where I liked combining two guys that were good enough to get a, a high end talent. That's why I went this route. So, any thoughts before we finish up the show? Yeah, I like that trade. That's why I try to look something different. But <laughs> the only problem with it is Deontay Johnson isn't valued there according to ADP. He might be in your league, and there's definitely a weird forgetfulness about Deontay Johnson, but uh, you're very much trying to not look for ceiling with him. And you shouldn't be able to get Deontay Johnson plus two other players for running back who's literally never done anything, so it's a good trade if you can. But, um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Um, I meant to look over this roster and look for good teams to trade with, those with a few good aging players, and I, I didn't. Black Sales <laughs> looks like it, but I don't think they'll consider themselves it because they think they've got something Antonio Gibson, and they don't. So they won't know quite how weak they are. Um, and just uh, the other thing I was going to mention, I forgot to mention, you reminded me of it, was that the, the team he's trading him to has Chubb and basically no RB2, and he has Kelsey at at tight end, so he wouldn't need Thomas anyway. So that, that, that's yep. another reason that went into my thinking as well. The only problem, yeah, and I, I like the trade entirely, but um, like that's Robert Tonyan to me, and he's got one. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's yeah, got and, these I, good and I, I even basically said end. that, that he's so yeah, Deontay I mean, Johnson is surprised. Yeah, yeah it, it, Logan Thomas is more, you know, just mixing him with Tonyan and Higby and hope you eventually yep. 
come out with a starter between the three of them or, or mix and match them or something like that. Um, just cause I don't think he's going to be able to get, I, I, I actually like your, like I said, I really like your Gaskin for Ingram thing. I wouldn't mind that at all. I'm um, to upgrade the tight end position over Logan Thomas. Dynasty trade calculator said it would be a decent trade, but that 2.0, like you said, might change it. They might be like, nah, I just can't, but yeah, <laughs> cause I originally wrote and throw a pick in, but they're not going to do that. in <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I would even be willing to add a third, I guess. And, I guess and that's why I threw a pick into my trade. Kind of, kind of what you said with Deontay Logan Thomas, ADP wise, doesn't necessarily maybe add up to Mixon. That's why for, for for both value and as a trade shift for later, if you if you do want to try and do something in season, because um, he does not have a first, uh, he doesn't have twenty two first. I did look at that. He he does have a second, so he'd have two seconds to potentially trade for something, maybe combined with the player in season if he does want to upgrade or something like that. Um. But uh, anyway, just don't listen to me. I just looked Kendrick Bourne and Juju Smith-Schuster are my most rusted players, <laughs> <laughs> along with Dak Prescott, by the way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Giovanni Bernard, but that's because I refuse to trade or drop him in any league I acquire. Him in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of those times that uh, your most rostered players are going to be those end of the roster guys because you can get them so cheap. But uh, Lord, Lord uh Davis men. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we all know you love Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Scott, any thoughts on my trades before we, we finish up the show here? Um, I just don't know why you hate quarterbacks. I, I don't know why you feel that he's got Dak Prescott, Goff and Fitzpatrick are enough. This is exactly your kind of team. Like, is this your? I know. Is this really your team? No, it's I mean, not, but I was. I meant to mention that when you were talking about your trades. Is that? Is that? Yeah, you know, I, I'm fine. If I have Dak, I'm fine. If my QB twos or what? That's the only reason enough. I knew it wasn't your team QB is because Dak was there. You yeah, would have just had the other guys. <laughs> I occasionally do have good quarterbacks, Scott. I have, I, have one Herbert. I have an exceptionally large amount of Darrington Evans running back Tennessee, <laughs> and I'm struggling to remember who he is. Oh my God. <laughs> I just really I have 16 shares. I have 16 shares of Henry at some point. <laughs> I love that Pierre just keeps randomly bringing up his player shares throughout the show. <laughs> no, I, I don't love... look very often. Uh, okay um so that uh finished up by me trade so that that's uh, pretty much it for this show so i want to i want to thank peter for coming on um peter if you just want to give everybody your twitter handle where they can find you where they can listen to you all that stuff yeah, sorry, I'm late for another podcast. I gotta go. Um, my <laughs> yeah, name's Peter Howard. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at PA Howdy. I'm a senior writer over at Dynasty League Football. Um, again, best place to find me is on uh, Twitter at PA Howdy. I do YouTube stuff too occasionally, but who, who really cares? Um, but yeah, uh, hit me up anytime you want to tell me how great Kendrick Bourne is, apparently, because I have him everywhere. <laughs> so, and uh, if anyone knows who Darrington Evans is, please. Drop me a line. I'd appreciate that. Uh, Thanks again, guys. Thanks for letting me come on. Thanks Thanks, again for coming on. Appreciate it. And we're just going to finish up with our steps. If you need to go, you can head out. Um, But uh, again, our Twitter handles I'm uh, at DynastyFF Addict, Scott's at Scott underscore Sidlow. Make sure you're following the pod at Dynasty Junkies as well as the DAP network at DAP underscore network. And I believe at the top of the show, I forgot to mention we are a member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. So I I, I apologize to uh, 
to our overlord dynasty outhouse for not saying that at the top of the show please don't hurt uh, us sir uh, yes <laughs> so um and just to, yeah just subscribe uh, if, if you like what you heard or even if you don't just let us know give us a rating and review um hopefully you liked it and you can subscribe to the dynasty junkies you can subscribe subscribe to the dap network but definitely leave a rating review let us know what you think let us know what we can improve on and, and we'll work on that and uh, i think that will finish it for this week so scott take us out junkies out